You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Good News of Great Joy. Enjoy. We want you to have a Christmas like no other this year. And the only way for that to really happen is for you to experience Christ, to enter into a real relationship with Him. And if you're in a real relationship with Him, to go deeper. So would you join your faith with mine, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to transform us now during our time together. We're leaving here different than when we came in. We're leaving here stronger. We're leaving here with a greater assurance of his love for us, with a greater knowledge of who he is and what he's done for us. And we're going forward, crossing the finish line of this year into an amazing 2019. Father, we thank you. For this time together, it's so special, Lord, that we get to leave our homes and come here to this public place and gather and experience your Holy Spirit as your body, your sons and your daughters, and to fellowship with you and to worship you. We take our minds off of this past week and any Christmas shopping we need to do, and we put them on you. Holy Spirit, we give our whole selves to you. Transform us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we bless you. We're just going to keep praising him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're so glad that we serve the living God. We're so glad that you're not a stained glass window or a statue, that you're the maker of heaven and earth that you're one who defeated death, that you're, you're the one who, who kicked, out, kicked the stone off the grave and came out and gave life to all who believe. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you raised up Jesus for us so that we could walk in new life today. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Do you ever talk about the Holy Spirit at Christmas time? You know, the Holy Spirit is is the third person of the Godhead, God the Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. In 2019, we're saying in Highway Church is the year of the Spirit. It's time for you to know the Holy Spirit personally. And sometimes people get a little on edge when you start talking about the Holy Spirit because they're unfamiliar with Him. He is the Spirit of God. You can become very familiar with the character and nature of the Holy Spirit by studying the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Jesus what he did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus came so that you could have the same Spirit living inside of you. And I'm bringing up the Holy Spirit because I want you to listen to him this morning. I'm not interested in having a church service. I'm interested in knowing him. I'm interested in being transformed by his presence, by, by having a living relationship with him daily. That's what we do here. I like getting dressed up, and I like holidays. But, you know, after all the lights are taken down, you need something real that can't be taken down and can't be unplugged. And that's the joy of a living relationship with the one who made you. No one can take that from you, and it's not seasonal. It's every single day of your life. It's a joy unspeakable, and it's full of glory. Hallelujah. 
so we're talking this morning about some information that came into the earth that changed everything. And if you want to give the message a title, we'll call it Good News, Good Information, Good News of Great Joy. Now, we're in 2018. And if you look back through recent history and days gone by, you'll find that for not only decades, but centuries, hundreds of years, God has been portrayed as one who is angry with mankind. He's angry with mankind because of our sins and our mistakes. And much like Santa, he's keeping a naughty list. And if you're on it, we're not quite sure how you can get off of it. You've just got to try hard every day and do as many good deeds as you can and light as many candles as you can and go to church as much as you can and just, just try and get off that list as hard as you can. And that's how God has been portrayed by so many churches and ministers over the centuries. But I'm so glad that you're here this morning and that the Lord has enabled us to be together and to start this new church so that I can tell you not one bit of that is true. He's not an angry God. He's not angry with you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not saying when he thinks of you. He doesn't look down on you thinking, gee, I wish they'd get their act together. I wish they'd just cut it out and start behaving properly. That's not how he thinks. In fact, when you're going through your day, he's thinking, I want them to know me. I want them to open their eyes and realize how much I love them. And then I want them to put their faith in me. I want them to have unshakable confidence in my provision for their lives. I want them to experience the resurrection power of Christ. I want them to be living a life that is abundant, full, rich, and overflowing. That's what he's thinking about when he thinks of you. I want them to be whole. I want them to experience the healing that only I can bring. These are the thoughts God has towards you. How do I know that? The thoughts of God were revealed in the ministry of Christ. You don't have to wonder what God's thinking. Just study Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He revealed to us the very thoughts of the Father. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. That's God's thoughts towards you. Now, most believers know there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. But most believers are going through life with an Old Testament mindset, which is no longer in effect. It's been done away with because of Christ. He fulfilled it, and he implemented a new covenant. There's no need for the old one anymore. In fact, if you'll trace from Adam, the first man, till, till the coming of Christ, you've got about 4,000 years. 
And if you'll go through Genesis all the way through Malachi, during that period of time of about 1,600 years, and there's about 400 years of, of, excuse me, about 3,600 years, and there's about 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. Only about 1,400 years of the Old Covenant were under the Mount Sinai Covenant. So from Adam uh, all the way up to Moses, let's see if I get this right, was about 2,600 years. The covenant that we're really focused on is the covenant that God made with us through Christ, which began not with Moses, not on Mount Sinai, but with Abraham hundreds of years before Mount Sinai, before the law was ever given. It was a covenant that came from one heart, a man's heart, to God's heart, where God spoke to him and he listened and he pursued him and he sought after him. That's what we're doing. We're not walking under the law. We're not looking to Mount Sinai. In fact, many believers don't realize you've been brought to a different mount. It's Mount Zion. It's a mount of praise and healing and wholeness and deliverance and victory. It's the mount of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine, I sometimes try what it would be like if you missed the days of Abraham and you you came into the world under the Sinai covenant, under the law. It would have been very difficult to live because no one could fulfill the law. But the attitude, if you'll look back in the Old Testament, it's not pretty. The attitude of God's people was pretty stinky. They really didn't want anything to do with God. They wanted to do things their own way, and they just basically gave God no choice but to implement the law so that they could realize how much they needed him. And you go forward 1,400 years and you come to the end of Malachi and then you've got this period of time that many scholars call it the the years of silence where there are no prophetic words given, no no, uh, uh, prophetic books written from the end of Malachi to Matthew. 400 years and no one heard from God. And during those years, the rules and regulations piled up. The laws of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rituals and the amount of things you had to do in any given day to try and get right with God was just uh, impossible. So something happened in Luke chapter 2. And let's go there in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. But can you imagine living your life under all of these rules? You've got to wash your hands in a certain way. You've got to pray in a certain way. You've got to kneel in a certain way. You've got to, you can only eat certain types of food and you've got to prepare those in a certain way. And you've got to go to the temple in a certain way. And you've got to say this in a certain way and do that in a certain way and think this. And on and on and on and on and on and on it went. Can you imagine? imagine that's your life that's your daily experience no one's heard from God in 400 years what is the first thing you would expect God to say to you you're you're trying your hardest to please him you're doing all these things that man tells you to do but you're not hearing from him your life's not getting any better 
What's the first thing you'd expect to hear God say to you? How about you? Have you heard from God lately? I found this. God is speaking regularly. If I'm not hearing from him, it's simply because I haven't given him my full attention. That's all it requires. Give him your full attention. Put your phone down. Get alone with him. Give him your full attention. Say, Father, speak to me. Help me to hear what you're saying. He's waiting to talk to you. So I'd probably be thinking a lot of things if I never heard from God. Like the first thing he's going to say to me is is he's going to scold and chastise me. He's going to come at me with an angry rebuke, and I don't want to hear that. I'd be afraid to hear from him. I don't know if you can relate to that, but that's how I'd feel. And that's how I felt most of my life before I came to Christ and realized how good he really is. Well, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. They're they're doing the night watch, right? Keeping watch over the flock by night. They're doing the third shift. This is their job. This is something they've done over and over and over again. Do you know you can talk to God on the third shift? Great time to do it at night. No one else is awake. Not as many noises and phones going off. Right, Dean? (laughs) It's a great time to talk to him. Do you talk to him at work? I believe some of these shepherds were talking to him. I believe some of them were giving them their attention. They were, their minds were on him. They were wondering about who he really is and when, when is the promise of the Messiah going to come. And in verse 9, the angel of the Lord. Let's imagine this. You ever try to imagine being there in that field at night, 400 years of silence, God hasn't spoken, rituals day in and day out trying to please a God that we don't feel we can ever please again. And an angel appears in the sky, and the glory of the Lord shines around about them. And what's their response? What does sore afraid mean? Really, really, really afraid. Shaken in your sandals, afraid. Right? Is that the proper response? Depends on what you think. If you think God is an angry God waiting to punish you, that's a good response. But what what is the real heart of God? What is the first thing he says to them after 400 years of silence? The angel says to them, fear not. Don't be sore afraid. Don't be afraid at all. Behold, give me your attention. I bring you good information that you don't know yet. That's why you're so afraid. I'm bringing news into your life that's going to change your life for the rest of your life. I'm bringing news into your life that's going to destroy your fear. It's good news from heaven. And it produces a joy that is not of the earth. It brings great joy. 
good news of great joy, which is going to be for three people. I'm sorry, it doesn't say three. 33? 103. All people. Are you a people? It's for you. Heaven has news for you that will change your life forever. But it hasn't been preached sufficiently in so many churches. What people have gotten is chastisement when they come to church. Condemnation. Punishment. They haven't heard from heaven, and that's why so many don't want to come back. We want you to hear heaven's heart this morning. Don't be afraid ever again. Because God loves you. Don't be afraid ever again. Because there's good news from heaven. He gave his son for you. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day. Now this is past tense. We're not waiting for Jesus anymore. Right? Born unto you this day in the city of David. A what? A punisher? A savior. Which is Christ, the anointed one, the one who's dripping with the Holy Ghost, the Lord. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you to remove your fears. You shall not, excuse me, you shall find the babe, a little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Philippians tells us that God the Son said yes to God the Father in heaven and he laid down his glory and godliness and agreed to the Father's plan. He came to earth not as the Son of God in all of his glory, but through the womb of a virgin wrapped in human flesh. Now, how do you tell whose father the baby is? You do a blood test, right? So if they did a blood test on Jesus, they would have found out God was his father because Mary did not know a man. There's no way for that to happen. God began his good news with something completely impossible. He wants to do things in your life that are completely impossible. Things that you have been frustrated over, maybe depressed over, he wants to change them, not because they're possible, but because it's impossible, and that's what he does. His entrance into this earth was impossible, his ministry was impossible, and his destiny for your life was impossible. We have to stop limiting him by the ideas of man and let him be impossible in our lives. Let him make the impossible a reality. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, and we see that word in the New Testament, and it refers to thousands upon thousands upon thousands, a multitude of the heavenly host, man, can you imagine being there, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Stop right there. If you've been at Highway Church, you know what that word means. But if, you, if you've been greeting card eyes, you may not know what that word means. We like to de-religify words, so we may as well get out our new can from, on Christmas and de-religify that word peace. Come on. Is it up there? Give me that next verse, guys. Come on. There we go. 
peace. Here we go. Ready? Shake your can. Okay, that's better. What does it mean? Well-being. Arene in the Greek. Untroubled, undisturbed well-being. That's what peace is. Why are these angels so excited? Because untroubled, undisturbed well-being is now available to you. And it wasn't before. You see, angels and God grieve when you go through uh, things that you don't need to go through. They, God feels your pain. Jesus put flesh on so he could feel what you feel. It's not his will for you to be broken. It's his will for you to be whole. That's why they're rejoicing. Wholeness is now acceptable to mankind. Good will toward men. This is radically different than what I would have expected to hear from God after 400 years of silence. Don't be afraid. I've brought my son into the earth as a baby. He's put on flesh and he's going to redeem all mankind. And that means that untroubled, undisturbed well-being is yours through faith in him. And goodwill is now yours, extended to you for the rest of your life. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us, go now, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 16. And they came with haste. I'd be running. What? See, this was the promise that all of Israel was waiting for. For centuries and centuries. The Messiah has come. Well-being has come. Salvation has come. Prosperity has come. Deliverance from sin has come. Deliverance from depression has come. Deliverance from the religious rituals of man has come. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Can we all just make sure we've got our religious goggles off? Can you take those off? You can put them back on after Christmas if you want, but I wouldn't recommend it. And, and check for those religious earbuds. Those aren't in, are they? Take those out. I don't want you leaving here today uh, without being transformed. There was a holiday started some years ago called Christmas or the Mass of Christ, Christ Mass. But truly Christianity, or if you want to say Christmas, is a celebration, a 24-7 celebration of the goodness of God. I mean, as a kid, I loved this time of the year. Still my favorite time of the year, Thanksgiving to Christmas. And, and as a kid, I, I didn't know any of this and lived in a crazy home, a lot of pain. But at this time of the year, it seemed like people try, at least tried to be a little bit nicer. And even in the home, there were still fights and stuff going on, but they tried to tone it down a little bit. But I, I need something more than that. 
Because a day's not going to do me. Gifts under the tree aren't going to do me. I need something that penetrates to the very center of me and changes me forever. And that's Christ. That's faith in the one who made me. That's our talking to him and he talks to me relationship with him every day of my life. And if you go through this Christmas and all you do is exchange presents, man, you're going to miss it. Give your heart to him right now. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done or where you're from, doesn't matter. He loves you with a perfect love. He's holding nothing against you because his son paid full price for you. He is enamored with you. You know what that word means? In love. Thrilled about. Caught up in you. He thinks about you all day long. When you're sleeping, he's plotting a strategy as to how he can bless you and change your life. You're not on his naughty list. Put your faith in his son Jesus and experience how nice God is. So God the Son came into the earth through the womb of a virgin so that he could become a man, a a flesh-covered spirit like you and me. And he could redeem us from the curse of sin. Now let's go to Luke chapter 1. And I want to look at something that's prophetic from John the Baptist's daddy, Zacharias, who was the high priest that year. And Zacharias, by the Holy Spirit, begins to prophesy about something that didn't happen yet, about the life you and I would live in 2018. Isn't that amazing? Only the Holy Spirit could do that. He's talking about you in Luke chapter 1. Let's look at it. So you know the story, a little background, that that the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias when he was doing his high priestly duties in the temple, said, you're going to bear a son, and you'll call his name John. Well, now his son has been born in verse 66 of Luke chapter 1, and he says, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? They're speaking about John the Baptist. And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're wondering, it's time to know it. Get filled today. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit will come and live in you. Let him fill you. Ephesians says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. That's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll lead you into all truth and he'll reveal to you things to come. The last thing you want to do is go to a fortune teller. Because they're not operating by the Holy Spirit. They're operating by different spirits that will try and lead you in a different direction. There's only one spirit that will lead you into your destiny, and that's the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe it's time. Maybe someone listening on Facebook or someone here needs to turn away from, from the practices of fortune-telling or horoscopes. You're looking in the wrong place, my friend. They have nothing for you. There are spirits of darkness trying to lead you in a different direction than the direction Christ has for you. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so God can reveal to you the things to come, the good things that He has in your life. So here's Zacharias filled with the Holy Spirit, and the first thing out of his mouth is blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Different response than the shepherds. The shepherds were sorely afraid. What is he doing? Worshiping God. Why were they afraid? They weren't full of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll have joy. Praise will begin to well up inside of you and your mouth will begin to bless the one who made you. That's what happens. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited now, Jesus hadn't been born yet, right? Was John, John about six months ahead of him? Something like that. So he's speaking of future reality. He said, the Lord has visited and has redeemed his people. Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet, hadn't gone to the cross. He's speaking of the life you and I are to live today, a life of being redeemed. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be what? Saved from our enemies. Who's your enemy? Satan and every demon, every spirit of darkness. Your enemy is not people, although people can be under the influence of spirits of darkness, so that we could be saved from darkness and from the hand of all who hate us. You know that Satan hates you, right? And we talk about that on Christmas. I think we need to know the, the strategies of our enemy, right? He does, he, he's not fond of you at all. He hates you and wants to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. But Christ came and redeemed you from him. He's no threat to you if you'll put your faith in Christ. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. That's Abraham, the covenant of Abraham, not Mount Sinai. The oath which he swore to our father, not Moses, who? Abraham. If you want to know Jesus, you better look at Abraham. That's where the covenant began. See, the law came through Moses, John said in chapter 1. But grace and truth came through who? Jesus. That's our Savior. Verse 73, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered, you are delivered. You may not feel like it. It may not look like it. But I'm here to tell you, because of what Christ did, you are now delivered from darkness if you'll just receive what he's done for you by faith. 
if you'll just believe what Zacharias is prophesying about you. Being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him. Look at this. Senza fear. That's Italian, means without. Without fear. That we might serve him completely without fear again. Now here's the verse that describes you in 28, verse 75. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of your life. Is that you? Yes. You say, wait a minute, I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. I mean, maybe I might have a moment here and there, but all the days of my life... Listen, when God gave His Son on that cross, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Him who knew no sin, that was Jesus, to be your sin, so that in Him you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's exactly what Zacharias is prophesying. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He gives you His holiness. He gives you the gift of His righteousness. And you can't light enough candles. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't do enough good deeds to ever earn that. It's a gift that God has given to mankind. And it's received through simple faith in Christ. Romans 5.17 says that uh, if the transgression of the one, for if by the transgression of the one, that was Adam, death seized the sovereignty of the one, that was Adam, Satan stole the sovereignty that God gave to Adam over the earth. Satan became the god of this world. Jesus taught us, the prince, the ruler of this world. Paul called him the god of this world. If by the transgression of the one, Satan stole the sovereignty of that one, much more, Romans 5.17 says, much more those who receive the what? Abundance. That means there's more than enough for you for the rest of your life. On your lousiest, worst, nastiest, most failingest day, there's more than enough grace for you. At your lowest point in your life, there is more than enough grace to pick you up, clean you off, restore you, and make you whole. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So if you really want to know the true meaning of Christmas, it's about receiving Christ and what he's done for us. I can't imagine someone getting me a, a gift that just was exactly what I wanted and just met my needs and satisfied my desires, but I refused to open it. How foolish would that be? God has given you a gift that brings wholeness to you. There's no strings attached. There's no fine print. It's guaranteed. It's a lifetime warranty or your money back. It's his son. 
Give your whole self to him today. Make this a real Christmas. And if you've already given given yourself to him, receive that abundance of grace for yourself. Receive that. Walk in it. Take a bath in it. Revel in it. God, you've given me the abundance of your grace. I refuse to be discouraged anymore. I refuse to look down on myself anymore. I refuse to to be upset with myself anymore. I declare that I am who you say I am, and I can do what you say I can do, and I have what you say I have. Thank you, Father. You've took my sin and put it on your son Jesus and you've given me your righteousness and that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that I'm a new creation let's go God let's go forward let's do this thing let's fulfill our destiny let's be all that you've made me to be hallelujah so the gift of Jesus is a gift of wholeness for you Jesus is the end of your failings, your struggles, your disappointments, your depression, and your despair. Jesus is the end of your troubles. He's it. He is what you've been longing for. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to love you into the reality of that. He wants to love you into wholeness. That's his plan for you. That you would receive what he's done for you by faith and let him love you into wholeness. Can you let him do that? It's so good. Put 1 John 4.18 up there. See, God's love is the answer to your fear. God's love destroys fear. When you become confident of his love, fear will no longer have a hold on you. I can't tell you the number of people I've talked with, but I'm afraid. But I'm afraid that this might happen. And if I could speak to parents, I'm thinking of our uh, little baby girl Zoe, and, and I love when I see new parents. And Jennifer, are you in here? I don't think she's my wife. Talking about fear before we read First John four eighteen. Well, let's read that, and then I'll tell you about it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I saw my wedding ring on the inside. First John four eighteen. And let's do it in the Message translation. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, fear is crippling, debilitating. It disables you. A fearful life Fear of death, fear of judgment, fear of flying, fear of uh, disease, fear of uh, terrorist attack, whatever it might be. It all stems back to the fear of death, doesn't it? A fearful life is one not yet fully formed in love. You know, as parents, I can't, I, thankfully I, I, I was walking with Christ for years before I became a parent about, let's see, probably about... Uh, 
eight years before I became a parent, and fear had been just crushed in my life. We weren't fearful parents. We didn't child-proof our home. Stay with me. Don't turn me off. Man's reasoning will give you 101 reasons a day why you should be afraid as a parent. If you got a baby, you got to do this to your house. You got to do this. You can't have this. Uh, your baby can't eat this. Your baby can't go outside. There are parents that haven't taken their baby outside because they're afraid. We didn't do that. Why? Because we were in covenant with the one who made us. We lived in the shelter of the Most High God. And parents, I want to encourage you, if you have little ones, age seven and under, the best way to child-proof your home is to speak in love the Word of God to them. So if our children, we didn't put up all these things to try and keep them out. We had maybe a couple things, maybe a gate in front of the stairway so they wouldn't crawl down, and maybe a couple things underneath the sink so they wouldn't get in there. But for the most part, we just lived our normal lives. But if our little baby, seven, eight months old, was crawling on the floor and went to touch something that they shouldn't have touched, we very firmly, very lovingly said, no. And they'd stop. And they'd look at us. They knew something was wrong. And sometimes when they were first learning, they would stop, they'd pause, they'd look at us, and then they'd try and do it again. Man will tell you you need to explain to your child what they're about to do and why it's not good for them. Listen, children, little ones, under the age of five or seven eight months old, they don't understand your psychological explanation. They understand no. And they understand faith. So we said it one time, no. If they listen, good to go. If they went to reach again, we would quickly walk over, hold their little cute chubby hand, and very, it wouldn't injure the child at all, but very like little bit of a sting, enough to let them know, I better not do this again. They understand that. You don't do it in anger. You never lose your temper with your child. You don't scream and holler. No. They don't do that either. We didn't allow crying and whining. If they needed a diaper change or they were hungry, that's okay. Because that's how they communicate. But if they're going to throw, throwing a fuss was never an option in our house. Why? We want to walk in the Spirit. Parents, train your children to not be afraid. And see, if you let a child throw a fit, you're teaching them to be afraid of their own flesh, to give in to their own flesh. So we, had a, we would take it from the time they, they were born. We took them with us everywhere, road trips across to, to Detroit, Michigan. We put them in the van. We took them everywhere we went without fear. And they're thriving today, right? Because his perfect love drives out fear. Don't be a fearful parent. It's, it's, it's your number one enemy as a parent, fear. It's your number one enemy. And the only thing that will remove that from your life is you just becoming grounded in God's love for you. Well-formed love banishes fear. Hallelujah. So Jesus says this, and we'll close. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
You know what? Can we put this up in the Amplified? Would you mind? Verse 28, 29, and 30 in the Amplified. I want to read it in the Amplified. Put that up there. We'll read it together. This is so good. He said, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. This is what Christmas is all about. It's what it's all about. Letting God cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. That's what Christmas is all about. Christ came to ease, to relieve, and to refresh your soul. Next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. I need a gentle God. I need a gentle Father. Meek and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. Next verse. For my yoke is wholesome. What does that mean? Wholesome means it produces wholeness. Wholesome. My yoke, trusting in me, will produce wholeness in your life. Listening to man will produce fear in your life. Take, for my yoke is wholesome, it's useful, it's good, it's not harsh, it's not hard, it's not sharp, it's not pressing. See, that's how Satan will try and lead you, he'll try and pressure you to do things. His leading is sharp and hard and pressing. You better do this, you better do that, you better do this. No, that's not our Father. My burden is light and easy to be born. Have a light and easy Christmas. Last verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus, the reason for the season, said this, the thief, that's Satan, and anyone under his influence, comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy not only Christmas, but every day of their lives. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The message translation, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. God gave you a gift of more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. And that gift is opened and accessed and enjoyed through simple faith in Christ and a relationship with him. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence as you minister to us and have been ministering to us throughout this morning. God, you're so amazing. Father, you're gentle. 
You're kind. You're easy. You're light. You're easily entreated. You give generously without finding fault. Holy Spirit, I ask you to impart to not only those who are here, but anyone who would see this message on Facebook or through a podcast, that Holy Spirit, you would impart to them the knowledge of your nature, the one who is easy and light, who gives generously without finding fault, who's easily entreated, the one who came that we would have life and life abundantly. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.